0: like to um, pray for Keri as she starts our sermon. Lord, you gave us uh, one mouth and two pairs of ears, and we should use them. Sorry, yeah, one pair of ears. Thank you. I obviously don't use mine enough. Lord, we should use them in that proportion. Father, may the the mouth that is speaking this morning, Lord, be yours through Keri. Give her your words. uh, Give her your blessing, Lord, Uh, And may the ears that are listening this morning, Lord, may we hear through your Holy Spirit the things that you want to be saying to us, each of us, this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Andrew. Okay. This morning we're going to be reading from Galatians, following on from what Derek did last week. Chapter 1, verses... 10 to 17. But before we will do that, I'll just go to the next Tēnā Tino Kotu Tino katoa. Kato. Um, ko uh, Ramataka Takumanga. Ko Tiawa Karangi Tiawa. Ko Foketu Tiki Aho. Ko Binet takafano Ko Kiri Tako ingawa. And for those who didn't understand that, I'm from Aparahap. I've been given the next nine verses in Galatians, which technically are still the greeting. It's actually quite a long greeting. um, It's probably going to take three weeks. The next person's probably going to do the next bit, um, and it goes down to verse 24, which is um, Paul's introduction to the churches of letter to the churches of Galatia. Paul, as Derek mentioned last week, I did listen to his sermon, even though I wasn't here, um, and I haven't got a friend with me. uh, mentioned last week, Paul was a bit angry, and, but like most of his writings, he was persu- he's trying to be persuasive, logical, comprehensive arguments, and lots of reasoning to get his message across. But more importantly, the thing I think Paul was trying to do is Paul was trying to be right. There it goes. Are you controlling that, Martin? Good. So I've just divided my sermon into, um you know, so Galatians is thought to have been the first letter that Paul actually wrote, and it's probably about 14 years after his conversion. And I've divided the passage that I've got today into three themes, ideas um, that I think Paul was trying to tell his readers, and there are also themes and idea, three themes and ideas that I think that are really helpful for us In 2022, they're the right man or person for the job, the right message, and the right source of information. I think Paul's trying to say to them, get it right, people. When I first read these verses, I initially thought of a CV, and it kind of. Oh, wrong one again. And I had Googled a few C and, you know, and because Paul is trying to persuade his readers about himself. He's trying to, um, and his legitimacy, and the legitimacy of his message. Now, I Googled a few CVs, and I came up with Paul, Steve Jobs' one, if you don't know who he was. He's the founder of Apple. And apparently, this is an example of one of his CVs on a job application. Now, if you can't read it from down there. I couldn't read it even up close, so don't worry. Um, uh, he got everything wrong. It wasn't very professional, there was not enough information, and it doesn't really reflect his ability. It's the antithesis of what a CV is supposed to look like, um, and to encourage others to employ you. But apparently it still sold for $2.2 million last year, so go figure. But Paul's CV is kind of similar in a way or the facts he presents to the Galatians don't really make sense. So I'm gonna read that to you now. I forgot to do that at the beginning. So the, the verses are, it's actually quite good, actually, I don't think. So verses 10 to 17. If I were still trying to please men, I would not be a servant of Christ. I want you to know, brothers, that the gospel I preach is not something that man made up. I did not receive it from any man nor was I taught it, rather I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. For you have heard on my previous way of life in Judaism how intensely I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. I was advanced in Judaism beyond many Jews of my own age and was extremely zealous for the traditions of my father. But when God, who me, set me apart from birth, called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son to me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles. I did not consult any man, nor did I go to Jerusalem to see those who were apostles. Before, before I was, but I went immediately into Arabia and, and later returned to Damascus. So Paul's CV, was it the right format? Well, they didn't have emails or other fancy things, set layouts on Word like we have today, so it was a letter of the time. So yes, I think it was probably um, r- correct there. Was it informative? Yes, I think it was. Was the information useful? Yes, if you wanted someone who was with a history of persecuting the ch- Christian faith. Did he have a good pedigree and credentials from a good university? Yes, he did. He was taught by Gamaliel, a respected teacher of the Jewish law, and that's found in Acts three. if you want to check that out. And Paul says he was top of his class from a respected lineage. Character traits that shine through, such as extremely zealous, and he intensely persecuted the early church. In other words, in worldly terms, we would not have chosen him to spread the gospel. In fact, here we see that God has a bit of a sense of humor. He selected a man before he was born for a job persecuting the, um, the Gentiles and Christians who grew up hating Gentiles. But God had other plans. A, yeah, Paul's CV would have been at the bottom of the pile. God had other plans. The bit that it said, God has set me apart from birth, reminded me of several scriptures, one being Psalm 139, verses 13 to 16. For you created my innermost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I know full well my frame that was not hidden from you when I was made in that secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to pass. God knew about Paul from the very beginning before Paul knew himself as he was being knitted together in his mother's womb. We see another um, example of where God has plans and how he looks at things so differently to what we do. Let me turn to 1 Samuel 16, 1 to 17. And I've chopped a little bit out in the middle. The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn? For Saul, since I have rejected him as king over Israel, fill your horn with oil and be on your way, and I'll send you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. Samuel did what the Lord said, and when he arrived in Bethlehem, the elders of the town trembled. When they met him, they asked, do you come in peace? And Samuel replied, yes, in peace, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. "'Consecrate yourselves and come to the sacrifice with me.' And then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. And when they arrived, Saul saw, saw Samuel saw Eliab and thought, "'Surely the Lord's anointed stands here before me.' But the Lord said to Samuel, "'Do not consider his appearance or his height, "'for I have rejected him.' The Lord does not look at the things man looks at. Man looks at outward appearances, but the Lord looks at the heart. We see how God does not look at outward appearances, doesn't judge by our past, but he sees into our hearts. God knew Paul's value and could use his past for his purposes. And finally, we find another verse in Isaiah 49. These Old Testament scriptures would have been deeply ingrained into Paul's mind, reflecting the learning that he in his education. Before I was born, the Lord called me from my birth. He made mention of my name, and he made my mouth like a sharpened sword. In the shadow of his hand, he hid me. Here we see that Paul wasn't trying to prove he was the best man for the job, but that he was chosen by God, that he was the right man for the job. Paul acknowledged his failings to prove that God was now in control, to show God's power and give him the glory. Paul was now A servant of God, which is how he starts. He's now no longer in charge of his own life, but surrendered to God's work. He refers to himself as a servant multiple times. Two examples are in Romans one one, and again in Philippians one. He he introduces his letter as himself as the servant of God. He was the right person for the job. And it was even through grace Paul had not, not, so, not such a desirable past, though God's great, through God's grace he has now been prepared to be used by God. He was the right man for the job. And I think I heard Derek say last week, he mentioned that the gospel was being distorted and changed. It was, he, they were making it Jew versus Gentile, works versus grace. But Paul was preaching a message of grace, the good news. Paul was preaching a gospel of inclusion. The Jews were no longer just the chosen people. Everyone was welcome at God's table. His argument debates that all people, Jew and Gentile, were to have access to Jesus. One commentator mentioned around some of the political things that why this might have been. He mentioned that there were areas controlled by the Romans and that Jews had a dispensation from giving sacrifices to the emperor. And that that was exchanged for giving prayers and sacrifices for the emperor. Subtle difference. But Christians were not given that dispensation. This new group that was rising up. But If they got circumcised and became Jewish, they could avoid punishment. But this was not the gospel Paul was preaching. The Galatian churches were new and under pressure from their culture and society. Sound familiar? Through the ages, we've all been under pressure because of culture and society. The Galatians were adding to and changing Paul's original message. In Leviticus, God's laws were written for Jews, included how they were to treat their neighbor, foreigners or aliens, and slaves. But Jesus came to fulfill that Old Testament law. Matthew 8, Matthew 28, sorry, says, all authority, this is Jesus speaking, in heaven and earth has been given to me Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything. And Mark twelve thirty, the new law stated by Jesus was love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And the second is to love your neighbor as you love yourself. There's no message of circumcision, no mention of becoming Jewish, It was a message for all people. It was a message for all nations, for all people. Last weekend, uh, um, 18 of us went for a walk up in the Tararuas with the off group. And at lunch, somebody counted that of the... um, 17 of us that were having or I think it might have been 19 people on the walk actually and there was 17 of us at lunch and nine of those people and if we count Jean there was been 10 people on that walk last week were not born in New Zealand and that is just from our group our, our church and i find that really exciting that god has made his church really diverse it makes it hard sometimes But let's use our differences, not as barriers, but as a strength. The right message is that the gospel is for everyone. The final point I think Paul is trying to tell us about is the right source of information. Where we get that is really important. Now I've just finished reading Stan Walker's biography in it, it describes his father's conversion. That's a picture of his dad and his mom up there. Now, I wouldn't describe myself as a Pentecostal, but I believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. And Stan's dad had a life-changing experience that could only come from meeting Jesus. From an angry man of violence, a life of pain, fevery, addiction, I'm not going to comment on why he was behaving like this or how it all started, but a multitude of factors create many broken people. When Stan's dad goes up for prayer, he is slain in the spirit and meets with God multiple times, not just once. And to Stan, what seems like, because he was just a child at the time, it seems like an eternity. And, but I think it was hours. It was a long time. He was there, God was meeting with him. And he, like Paul, on the road to Damascus. I got that one next. God was doing a radical turnaround. Today, Stan's dad is a man of faith. Today, we still read the words of Paul because Jesus change their lives. Paul received his gospel, his teaching, directly from the source, from the Holy Spirit, th- from Jesus, and he states that in, in, the, in the readings. It was a dramatic event. I was reminded of this a few weeks ago when I was preparing for my Whakarogamai intercessory prayer, a quote from Oswald Chambers that says, don't look at the difficulties, Look to God. Look for the, to the source. We're so quick to look around us, but we need to be looking up. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts more than your thoughts. Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9. Just as when God chose Paul as a messenger to the Gentiles, this revelation is a mystery and it's part of God's plan, not man's. That is what Paul is trying to make clear in these scriptures. Paul talks about this revelation in in some of his other uh, letters. Ephesians 3 verses um, 2 to 6 says, Surely you have heard the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you that it is the mystery made known to me by revelation. As I have already written briefly in reading this, then you will be able to understand my insight into the mysteries of Christ. So Paul went straight to God. He didn't muck around with other things. The final verse of this chapter says that Paul went away and that he had no contact with other disciples. And this is to back up those verses I read before in 11 and 12, when he states that his words are not from man. He wasn't taught them. He didn't receive them from any man. He hadn't talked to Peter and all the other disciples. He had his own experience and revelation of God. He got his message from the right source. Now, my son, Campbell, is into bodybuilding. He works out daily to an exercise plan of exercise and rest. He's got his back day, his leg day, arm day. He goes to the gym, and he shares this time sometimes with friends, sometimes on his own, and they give each other a hand. He mostly eats the right things, and he takes a few supplements of protein powders and muscle-building pre-workouts, post-workouts. The courier is always dropping parcels off. Bodybuilding is a bit like faith building. Where can you get your faith building protein from from, where you get your faith building protein from is important. Cam's packaging says it's pure protein, clean, natural, no additives. That's what we have to do with our faith. God wants to do more than reveal Jesus to us. He wants to reveal Jesus in us. This is a picture of the Rewalka, the source of the Rewalka River. It's at the foot of the Takaka Hill in Nelson. It is the coldest but clearest water I think I've ever seen. Well, except for the little source. There's another source in um, Tongariro National Park which my son and her husband have swum in. But, but it, yeah, That's where we those sources of uh, water are usually really pure. So, what can bodybuilding teach us? We need to work out daily, prayer, reading, Bible study, and relying on the Spirit of God. We need to have a Sabbath rest worked into our program; hence, worship and spending time with God. We need to continue to meet together, go to the gym, I I mean church. (laughs) We need to have friends to share with and to be held accountable by. Thanks, Swerp Boy, for uh, reminding me to do my Bible study before Wordle. That was on the walk last week. (laughs) We need to have the right message, a pure, direct line to God. No additives or adding our own rules. And it's right to question the source. Now, where's my bit of paper? An old envelope, there it is. I had written all this and then I found some other material, so I just wanted to add this bit in. It is fair enough for every Christian to ask where their gospel comes from. The question is important because what only comes from God can really save us and make a lasting difference. Like Stan's dad, like Paul meeting with God on the road to Damascus, God can and will change our lives. And we, like Paul and Stan's dad, are not perfect, but we're chosen. God's message is one of love and inclusiveness. Work out, daily workout, have a sab- Sabbath to worship, continue to meet together, surround yourself with people to share and be accountable with, have a direct source to God through that curtain that ripped to reveal the Holy of Holies. Jesus didn't die for nothing. In conclusion, like Paul, We've all been chosen and set apart for our role in God's kingdom. Maybe no one will be reading my letters or hearing my sermon notes in 2000 years time, but we all have a job to do in spreading God's word and his love. We are the right people for the job, just as Paul was. We need to heed Paul's warning the gospel is a simple message of love and forgiveness for all people. Get the message right. Open our hearts, open our doors and wide, and let everyone in. That's the right message. And go to the source. Only by spending time with Jesus, listening, and obeying him as his servant will we not fall into the same trap as the Gentiles, as the Galatians, sorry. And that's all I have for you this morning. Have a good week, people.